Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to the eighth chapter of Romans. That's going to be a diving board text, the basic text. And we're going to go some other places in Scripture uh, for our discussion on parenting. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, we come into your presence uh, not because we're good, but because we're yours. We're your people, and this is your truth. Father, apply it to our minds. Keep us from being shallow and silly and superficial. Make us thinking Christians. But, Father, don't stop there. Don't allow us to be cold Calvinist. Drop it to our hearts. Help us to weep and laugh and dance and sing. Give us a heart strangely warmed with yourself. But, Father, don't stop there either. Put it in our hands and in our feet and our mouths that we might live it. Father, the world so desperately needs to hear the laughter of the redeemed. Keep us faithful and authentic and clear. Father, you know everybody in this place, and you know the hard stuff. Come yourself. In this place, may we hear the soft sound of sandaled feet. And Father, we pray for the one who teaches that you would forgive him his sins. We would see Jesus and him only. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was entirely appropriate that Ray should ask me to teach on parenting because my kids are a lot better than your kids. And my grandchildren are a whole lot better than your grandchildren. And if you believe that, you'll believe anything. But let me tell you something. We really do have wonderful kids, daughters, and three dynamite granddaughters, and they're that way for reasons that may surprise you. It isn't because I listened to Jim Dobson. It's for another reason altogether. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read to you from the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. And I'm going to start reading at the 14th verse of that eighth chapter, where Paul writes as follows, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, parenthetically, and daughters of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I have a psychologist friend, and I asked about fathering. I said, how do you know if you're a good parent? Let me tell you what my friend said. said, look at God and how he fathered you. That's how you know what it means 
to be a good father. And I've been thinking about that, and I thought, cool, that'll be an easy sermon to write. I'll just find out, study the Bible, what God does, and then I'll tell people, do it as best you can. And that'll be an easy sermon to write and to preach. But a funny thing happened to me on the way to that sermon. I realized, duh, I'm not God. (laughs) I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. I hardly ever do know what he's doing and question him often on it. He does it right. I sometimes don't even know what right is. I can't. I can't father the way God fathers because I'm not God. Some of you wear those WW, what would J, uh, JD uh, bracelets. What would Jesus do? Uh, that comes from a book that was written in 1886 by a guy by the name of Sheldon, and it was called In His Steps. And if you've read that book, and it's a great little book, These people decide that in everything they do and say, they're going to ask, what would Jesus do? And some amazing things happened in that particular book. Now, that was the fictional side of the theological side of what is called the social gospel. Men like Walter Rausenbush, along with Sheldon and many others, and it was a great idea, said that what we have to do is to apply a little ecclesiastical elbow grease, a little personal elbow grease, and then we can see major changes happening in our world and in our nation and in ourselves. Now, there's something to that, but the last time I looked, it wasn't fixed. The hungry are still hungry. The day is far spent, and we're still empty People sin about as much as they did. Politicians are just as dishonest as they were. Our culture isn't more compassionate and kind and authentic. So maybe it doesn't work. And you know why it doesn't work? Because you're not Jesus. That's why. Now, it's good to ask, what would Jesus do? I've been trying to be like him all my life with Varying degrees of success. Sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. But I know that I'm not Jesus. And so when I say, what would Jesus do? I might know what that is, but I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to pull it off. And so that's the reason it's very difficult for me to teach on parenting. I'm not the greatest parent in the world. I made so many mistakes and still do as a grandparent. It's really, really hard to do that. When Ray asked me to do this thing on parenting, I felt like Moses when God told him about circumcision. You want me to do what? (laughs) And, um, and, And I wouldn't do this for anybody but Ray and Jesus. But there's another reason why this is hard for me. You know what it is? I'm not dead yet. Now, I have a wonderful wife, and, and, but I'm a hard guy to live with. <laughs> it's got to be really hard for her. She, she, you know, we've been married so many years, I don't even remember what it's like not to be. She's so much a part of me, but let me tell you something. She may just come in next week and say, I've had it. Enough is enough, I'm out of here. And I don't want to be teaching on marriage when that happens. And I've got wonderful kids. They, they really are. They're secure. They walk with Christ. They're loving. They love me and their mother. I mean, it's so cool. But they've seen the bad side of their daddy too. 
It may be that they're getting tired of the phoniness and they say, I've had it up to my ears with religion. I'm going to be an atheist or a Buddhist. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but it could happen. And I've got plenty of time to screw it up. So, so I'm not dead yet. If I knew when I was going to die, you ought to come hear me teach the last week on marriage and on parenting. It would be profound. Now, let me tell you something. Everything I just said about me is true of you, too. I got your number. The only reason I feel free to tell you the things I just told you is because I know you are just like me. I have the most wonderful story, and it's true about my wife. She has power in our family because she's a servant. It's servant power. She, our kids, when they were growing up, it'd be, I may have told you, they'd be working on uh, their homework, and one of them would say, Mom, come help me with my homework. And she would put down whatever she was doing. She'd go down the hallway and sit down and help them with their homework. And I, and I was thinking, if they wanted me to, you have a request like that, you come and kneel before your sovereign father and present your request. And in my wisdom, I will decide whether I fulfill that request or not. One time, we are having dinner, and, and somebody left Kool-Aid in the, in the glass, and she poured milk into it, and it turned to milk purple. One of the kids said, purple milk, yuck! Now, I would have said, drink it, kid. It's a new taste sensation. My wife gets up, pours the milk into another container, washes the glass, and puts fresh milk in. And just one I want to say, I don't believe I'm, I'd do that if I were you, Anna. You're the mother. You're not the child. You, and then I realized the power that she had. I do what she says, and so do our kids, because it's servant power. And I love telling that story, but I can't tell it when Anna's there. She's, she said, you've got to quit telling that, because every time you tell that story, you make every mother in the congregation feel guilty. She said, I don't mind you telling the story because I did some good things, but you better tell them the time when I lost it too and the time when I went ballistic and I was cussing and spitting when I said I'd had it, when I didn't love my... You tell them the other stuff too or don't tell that story anymore. So, can we talk? We're not, we're just not that great as parents or as grandparents. It's really... It's really hard, and the culture runs against us. So that's where the sermon is. You know, I'm not going to teach on parenting and be a hypocrite about it. I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth about yourself. And Jesus still loves us, and he'll forgive us. You think about that. I'm in. No, I'm not going to. Yeah, I've got some. There's one other thing I want to say before we look at some things that you're going to find helpful. Um, maybe you had a father who was abusive, sexually or physically, maybe. Maybe had an awful situation. I had a lady on my staff who had been um, separated from her father for years. They hadn't spoken. And she got the message that her father was dying in California. She got on an airplane, went to the hospital, and uh, her brother said, you got to hurry because he's dying quickly. And she got to his deathbed, leaned over and said, oh, daddy, I love you. And he opened his eyes and said to her, I hate you. And she died. And he died. Ugh. How you do? Maybe you had a father like that. 
One in three women in America have been abused sexually in one degree or another. Maybe you had a father as guys that you could never please, and you tried and tried and tried and finally gave up. Maybe you had a father who was condemning and angry, who disciplined in an abusive way. Look, you don't junk the idea of a father because you had a father like that. You remember the truth that as a believer, you've got a home where you are accepted totally without reservation. And you've got a daddy who loves you totally and without reservation. I've told you a lot about my father. He was not a good man. I mean, he was a drunk and a pool shark, and he did some other bad things. Let me tell you something. He loved me and my brother with, I just can't, I can tell you stories forever. The time he almost beat up a guy who called me a liar at a movie theater and said I lied about my age. I thought my father was going to kill him. I got theater tickets for the next eight years free as a result. I mean, my father, he had carried our pictures and his billfold and his heart and hung it on his office wall. I mean, he loved us. He loved us totally. He became a Christian shortly before he died. And, and I'm so glad I'll be able to introduce him to you. But he did bad stuff, but he loved us. When uh, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more are your Father in heaven? I read that and went, cool. If God loves me one-third as much as my heavenly Father loves me, I'm, I got it made in the shade. I can do anything. I'm acceptable forever and praised and admired and loved. I just think, well, you do if you're a Christian. Don't ever forget you got a home where you're accepted and they'll never kick you out and you got a daddy who loves you. Okay, let's talk about parenting. You're going to be a good parent. Well, let me, let me give you a truism. The truism is this. You're not God, okay? Deal with it. You're going to mess it up, deal with it. You're not God, but he's your father, and you have absolute access to him, and he is sufficient for every need you have. If you're going to be a good parent or a good grandparent, you've you got to love your kids. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and you're my friends. I'll tell you something. You may say you love your kids, but sometimes I know you, you don't, because they're not lovable. We have this silly idea that children, in their innocence, are one. They're not. They're fallen just like you are. They're dis honest like you are. They're rebellious and manipulative like you are. And sometimes, can we talk, it is hard to love your kids. And we all know that. How do you, how do you, how do you love kids like that? You gotta, we, have, we were in Dothan, uh, Alabama over Christmas, and I was thinking about the time when Christy, who's our oldest, uh, she's still a little girl, but she, she was... Uh, working with Madeline, that little, you know, Madeline's Barbie's ugly sister. And she's trying to put clothes on her, this little doll, and she's not doing it very well. And her father said, honey, be patient. You know what she did? She threw Madeline at him. <laughs> he said, don't you do that. You know what she did? She takes after Pops. She 
she got a beanbag chair and threw that at him. And I'm thinking, I don't believe I'd have done that. And he said, you're in trouble. And you know what she did? She got up another beanbag chair and threw that at him. And I thought, oh, man, he's going to kill her. And so he picks her up and puts her over his shoulder. She's saying, I hate you. And he's saying, I know that, but I don't care. She said, I'm never going to speak to you. And he said, that would be nice at this point. And he said, I'm going to put you on timeout. Now, my parents never didn't even know about timeout. They just broke my face. But now you know, they, they put him in a chair, and he said, you're going to be in timeout till Jesus returns. And he put her in the chair in the living room, and we went back and watched the football game. And it was a long time. And then I looked up, and Christy's coming out of the side door, and she's crying. And she walks very slowly over to her daddy and crawls up in his lap and said, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I do that kind of stuff. I love you so much. And he said, oh, honey, I love you too. I thought, my, where did Jim get that? Because he knows Christ and he's been loved or he wouldn't have it. Can't love till you've been loved then you can only love to the degree to which you have been loved. So when I see parents who just had it with their kids, I've had it with you. God never says I've had it with you. But boy, we, I, you just think, I'm, I, I'm not going to, what was it that Cosby said? I can make some new ones. I think I'm going to kill these. And, you, and, and you're, just, you're just going crazy. You know what I want to say? I want to say, don't, don't you have a home? Don't you have a daddy who loves you? If you're going to be a good parent, you got to love your kids. If you're going to be a good parent, you, you got to forgive your kids. We just got through Christmas, and we've learned. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How do you, how do, how do you forgive kids when they do really bad stuff, especially if you've got adult kids? And they've done things that are really Really awful. Let me tell you about Ruth Graham. I may have told you about this before. I interviewed her. It's not the Ruth Graham you're thinking of. It's the daughter of the Ruth Graham you're thinking of. Ruth Graham, uh, the daughter of Dr. and Mrs. Graham, I love her. She, she has a ministry to broken and sinful people that's incredible. She's been through, I think, three divorces, at least two. Now, if you're the daughter of Billy Graham, you shouldn't go through divorces. I mean, you ought to just live with him, even if he's a monster. I mean, you don't want to hurt your dad's. But she, she, I think it was her third one. She was telling me, and I was interviewing her. She said, Steve, I drove from wherever she was living and she, back to the mountains of North Carolina, and I wept the whole time. I sobbed the whole time. I thought, they're going to accept me because they're my parents. they got to accept me. But it's never going to be the same again. I've hurt their ministry. I've hurt brought shame on the name of Christ. She said, I sobbed the whole way. And there's a crooked driveway that goes up to Mr. and Mrs. Graham's log home. Up on, and I've been there up on top of the mountain. And I could picture her crying and driving up the thing. She said, when I got to the top of the mountain, my father was standing in the driveway. And I got out of the car. And he opened his arms. And he said, welcome home. Welcome home, honey. I thought, my gosh. That's, you know where Mr. Graham got that? That's a cool thing. You know where he got it? 
because he's been forgiven. And if you and I've talked to him a lot. I mean, he's been forgiven a lot. He goes to God. He thought his mother found out about his sins when she went home, and he was depressed for two weeks. He knows he's been forgiven. Where did he? How could he forgive us? You can't forgive until you've been forgiven. And then you can only forgive to the degree to which you have been forgiven. So when you can't forgive your kids, what do you do? Read a book? No, I'm glad you're reading these books. They're going to be helpful. But that's not how you forgive. You say, I'm going to forgive. I don't care. I'm going to, no, every time I see people doing that, run to him. Let him, Remember his forgiveness and his grace to you. I want to say to people, don't you have a home? Don't you have a daddy who loves you? And then if you're going to be a good parent, you got to love them, you got to forgive them. Then, dare we say it, you got to discipline them. <laughs> Hebrews 12 says, and in the King James Version, it says you're a bastard if, if you don't, aren't disciplined by your father. That, that, you, you, uh, that a father that doesn't love his kids doesn't discipline. So we shouldn't be surprised when God disciplines. We are so neurotic. That, that passage has been used against me ever since I was a kid until I got to the point I thought that God was a child abuser. You know, I was afraid of the police. But my mother would say, God's a lot worse than the police. God's God. You get out of line, man. Because he loves you, he's going to discipline you. And he's going to break your legs. And your wife's going to leave you. And you're going to get leprosy. And you're going to lose your job. And you're going to starve. And you're going to have zits on your face. And you're going to, and I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, man. And then I'm thinking, I better be good because he's going to discipline me. And then, let me tell you something, they lie. They, I think they meant well. I'm not even sure of that, but they lied to me. God isn't that way at all. I went to him thinking he was that way and thinking he's going to kill me. And uh, he said, as Mr. Graham said, come here, child. Welcome home. Now, he's arranged the circumstances of my life. He's embarrassed me. Sometimes he said to me, if I give you an inch, you'll take a mile. Sometimes he's allowed things to happen to me that I cannot stand. And, and you know why I'm here this morning? Because of his loving, balanced, general discipline. So I see parents, you know, the stupidest thing that's ever been said was don't discipline your children in anger. What? <laughs> well, what are you, when are you supposed to discipline? You, after dinner and say everything's cool and you've been perfect all day and we're all full and warm, fed and happy. Now come over here, I'm going to break your face. No, man, of course you, I mean, if you weren't angry, you, but, but the, the discipline of God has sometimes been hard, but it's always been kind and it's always been balanced. And I've watched abusive parents. I get letters every week from kids talking and I just want to go, oh my, how could you do that? How could, how could that man that killed his daughters someplace over the, this past, you want to say, what, do you, what is it? Don't you have a home? Don't you have a daddy who loves you? And then, man, I'm getting hungry too, so we're about finished. If you're going to, if you're going to be a good parent, you've got to love your kids, you've got to forgive your kids, you've got to discipline your kids properly, and then you've got to set them free. 
Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And you'll be free indeed. What does that mean? That means if you don't read the books and you're a horrible parent, he's not going to love you any less. And if you read the books and read the books to your kids and do it all right, he's not going to love you anymore. You're free. You can't ever go beyond his love. Did you teach your kids how to ride a bicycle? I can close my eyes and still see it. That is so hard. You know, you've already run 40 miles holding onto the seat, and you're thinking, you know, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die if I let go. But I, I can't do this anymore. And you know when you let go, your daughter's going to die. She's going to fall on her head, and the surgeons aren't going to be able to put her back together again. And then you're going to have to go to her funeral. But you just can't do it anymore. So finally, you just let go of the bicycle. And then you realize they're going. You go, girl. She's doing it. And she recognizes it, and I recognize it. Let me, let me tell you what we did. You're going to be really impressed. Uh, I used to date my daughters because uh, I was gone uh, 160 days a year. That was the biggest gift I gave them. But, uh, but you know, to make, I, I dated them every couple of weeks, every month, individually. And I was taking Robin, our oldest, older daughter, uh, to dinner at a restaurant, and she was reading a filthy book. Now, we're reading family, and no, it wasn't pornographic, but it's not the kind of book you want your teenage kid to read. And so, being the father that I am, I said, what are you reading that filthy book for? I don't want you reading that trash. Now, when you say that to a teenager, you've got to pay a price. They get sullen and mean, and she's a little mite of a thing, but she She's strong. She gets as far as she can get from me in her front seat, gets sullen like a telephone pole. You can't hug a telephone pole. And she is just, and I thought, this is going to be a great evening. And then we, and, but in the silence between there and the restaurant, the spirit came. I did a really wise thing. You're going to be so impressed. I said when we sat for dinner, and I said, honey, I'm so sorry I yelled at you. Let me tell you what I've decided. You can read whatever you want to read. You can listen to whatever you want to listen to. You can see whatever you want to see as long as you discuss it with me or with your mother. I want you to know that. So what? It's incredible. I mean, they read good stuff. They're discerning. They know. But it's pretty dangerous because they discuss stuff with us that a father doesn't want to discuss with his daughters. But, but the freedom, because God loved them more than I did. And you know what we did? When they were seniors in high school, they had no rules. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, you've you got to deal with it as you see the wisdom of dealing with it. But we, every year, we sat down and we removed rules so that when they were seniors in high school, they didn't have an, a curfew. They could do whatever they wanted. They had, an, uh, uh, they had a, an allowance. They could wear whatever they wanted to wear. I can't tell you the times when I have winced. Boy, when you let them wear what they want to wear, I just thought, oh, man, don't wear that. Don't go to school looking like that. But we... We didn't want them to go off to college and be free and fall on their face and not have us there with them. So we took the rules away. That was so wise. Because now they're secure and they're free and they hurt. 
and they messed it up sometimes. But God, their heavenly father, and Brown, their earthly father, loved them a lot. And because the heavenly father gave me my freedom, I was able to let them go. There's some of you still trying to control your kids' lives. They're grown, they have kids of their own, you're still telling them what to do, quit it. Just let them go, you gotta free them up. I wanna say when I see parents do that, what, you don't have a home? You don't have a daddy who loves you? When, uh, when Phil Graham was in the Senate, they were having a committee uh, meeting over the increase of funding for childcare in America. And there was a government bureaucrat who was given his testimony. And Senator Graham said, you know, I guess this is a good thing, but I really think it's better for parents to take care uh, of their children because they love them. And this bureaucrat, young whippersnapper, said, Senator, I resent that. You're saying I don't love your children. I love your children as much as you love your children. And Senator Graham said, you know, I'm glad to hear that. What are their names? If you listen to what I taught you this morning, you know that you can be loved. And until that happens, you can't love. You can be forgiven until that's happened, you can't forgive. You're going to be disciplined properly. And when you accept that, you'll be able to discipline properly. And God has set you free. And now you can set your kids free. So run to him. He knows your name. You think about that. Amen. Thanks for listening. And by the way, if you need prayer, do let us know. Just click contact us in the app, then click prayer request. Thank you.